All right. Hi, Karen. Huddle up, heathens. Huddle up, heathens. <laughs> wow, that's. I'm realizing how country that sounds it right sounds now. It sounds really country. Why are we saying huddle up, heathens? Well, we could have called it the heathen hoedown, and we didn't. So oh. I feel like we've taken a step in the right direction. That is true. Right. We were feeling a little left out. Um, all of the uh, post-Christian, ex-Christian podcasts mm-hmm. out there have secret Facebook groups that listeners can join. We just outed them. No, no, they're not secrets anymore. <laughs> well, I don't think they're like secret secret because they tell <laughs> they people. They do talk about it. <laughs> like Life After talks Listen, about it. We found out that everyone has a secret everyone. and we're here to tell you what it is. We, um, I see a lot of comments on our Instagram. Like that's the main place I think people like have conversations and that's just not conducive to like actual conversations. So we decided to just... Go ahead and make our own little uh, Facebook group, and it's called Heathen Huddle. Heathen Huddle. The Huddle Heathen up, Huddle. Heathens. We are definitely open to alternative titles if you can come up with a better Especially one. Especially now that we've said that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to feel weird already. <laughs> the Heathen Huddle. Huddle up, Heathens. Um, you have a synonym for chatter or discussion that yeah. you feel would be more appropriate than Huddle. Preferably alli- alliterative. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, that's almost. My, that's my it's preference. almost required. <laughs> I, if you you can like put in some sort of funky internal rhyme. I might be able to get around the lack of alliteration, but that's it. So. Yeah, it's all good. So it's out there now. We have we have the private Facebook group. So if you are a heathen diehard, if you're like just real heathen, then um, <laughs> consider joining us on Facebook, and we yeah. can continue the conversation offline. Um, it's a secret group. It's safe space. We've, you know, established a couple rules already for it and we'll, we'll, you know, it'll, it'll grow and evolve as we use it. But, um, I think, I guess you can look it up if you search heathen huddle. It's just, you won't be able to like get in, obviously. I don't. No, you're right. With secret groups, I don't think you can even search for it. I don't think you can search it. So I guess you have to email us. Boy, this is complicated, what we've decided to do. How do do. people do this? I don't know. If someone else with a podcast and a secret group can email (laughs) us and tell us what the hell we're doing, that would be really helpful. Um, For now, yeah. Send us an email. Send us an email or a Facebook message on the Heathen Facebook page. Or on Instagram because we know you guys love Instagram. Contact us somehow and we will... Yeah give you a secret we will link get you in this group one way or another <laughs> uh the like email a- is askheathen at gmail.com so there you go that's yeah. probably the best place Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Um, so today's going to be fun, fun <laughs> conversation. We're in the house with Wendy Holland. Hi. Hi. Yeehaw. Welcome. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> She's in. Huddle she can up. stay. <laughs> um, so, Wendy, before we even, you know, get into it, uh, I like to have folks introduce themselves because that way you get to be who you want to be on this thing and um, reveal as much or as little as you like. So, who and are you? And that's to be determined how much know, is going right? to be revealed. I was thinking about that over the past few days. But what I can tell you is that I'm in the middle of a 72-unit MDiv program, which has just consumed my life. It's the last thing I expected at this point. And yet ministry has always been my call. Um, And that's why I was so drawn to what you're doing here. The context of Christianity, you called it post-Christianity or Mm. former Christianity, 
it, it's, it runs the gamut. It really does. We've yeah. got the ex-Christian. We've got the people in spiritual deconstruction. We've got folks who are totally identify as Christian right. and just yeah. like, like talking about this stuff. And then people like me, heathens. So. We play, yeah. we play fast and loose with those labels sure too. Do. So, and I feel like I could identify with every single one of those, but right now I'm, um, a commissioned pastor with the Disciples of Christ, which sounds like a cult, and it's not. A little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking it's always to a fun and, conversation when you have to start with, this sounds like a cult, yes, but it's not. and it's I really promise. not. You can look it up, Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Um, yeah, probably I, the most social justice-oriented mm-hmm. group I've ever been around. Um, found it through a church that I didn't even know was denominational. Mm. Um, and a friend of mine said, you really should go to my seminary. I said, are you kidding? I, have you seen my life and my children? I've got a 12-year-old and an eight, uh, 18-year-old right now. Couldn't imagine doing something like that. Yeah. She yeah. was on me for like a year, and she said, you know, you can probably get half of it paid for. And I'd always been involved in, in some type of pastoring or leadership or leading worship. or. And over the course of a year... She was on me. I finally ended up checking into it, and it turned out that they gave me a hundred percent free ride, which is like a seventy thousand wow. dollars scholarship. Ooh. And it it has opened the doors that I've wanted to go through all along. Um, basically, you need an MDiv to do all the stuff that you're already qualified to do. Yeah. If you want to make any money doing it, mm. sure. Um, and that sounds horrible too. I'm in ministry for the money, believe me. <laughs> You'll fit in time. <laughs> There's not a lot of money to be made in ministry, but if you want to do something that's um, that at least pays for the 60 hours a week that you're not there, mm-hmm. so you can have a house cleaner and uh, yeah. go out to dinner, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's where I'm at right now. It's entirely consuming. It's amazing. I'm at Claremont School of Theology. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and um, it Jeremy is... Jeremy Fackenthal, who was a guest on this uh, podcast last uh, year, last season, um, got his uh, PhD from Claremont as well. Sounds, he sounds really familiar. Yeah, he was just up there actually doing a... He's a filmmaker as well, so he just did... He hosted a... Um, or is hosting, or I don't know. It's something to do with a film festival. Maybe I saw him online. Campus, so, yeah. It is an amazing school. It's a... Again, it's a seminary, but it's... Um, um, they've got a school of Islam up there mm. on campus. Mm. They uh, promote a whole lot of free thinking, process theology. And it's a strange space to be in because as I was thinking about, gosh, what would I say here? And what <laughs> might I be concerned about hearing? My whole life is this dichotomy of people um, judging either my uh, being too liberal or being too conservative. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too mm. liberal for the conservatives and too conservative for the liberals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get the too conservative judgment yeah, personally. Any. You have been kicked out of the conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of that was like when I first started going, so I'm, I go to Mission Gathering right now, and I've been there for four years, and I knew about it from the time that they put the billboards on yeah. wherever it was, university, yeah. apologizing for the way that the church had treated um, LGBTQ people. Which mm-hmm. was a really big deal when that happened. So Mission Gathering a is, huge a, deal. is a, a it's, it's the Disciples of Christ, right? Right. Um, a church here in San Diego that I was a part of at one point. Um, and I've known lots of people who've been there, still know folks there. 
And yeah, they had this moment. Was it was it just four years ago? It feels long. No, that I've been there for oh, four years. This was there. it. This was like right at the time of Proposition Eight. I guess. Yeah, so yeah. like two thousand what eight? Two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. So they had these billboards out. That's yeah. Apologize. We're sorry. We're sorry <laughs> on behalf of Christianity, basically, hmm. um, for the experience that you're having as a queer person in the, in our in our communities. And it got picked up on like national news. Uh, there were there was a billboard in North Carolina in my home state. I think Mission Gathering put one, wow. um, like on the Billy Graham Freeway hmm. in North Carolina <laughs> um, because of whatever bill crazy whacked out bill North Carolina had. North Carolina at used the to time, be, yeah. Well, it used, North Carolina used to be like the cool, like progressive, cool Southern state, and now it's just gone. It's you know the state of bathroom bills and nonsense like that. So mm-hmm. I'm super. It's what happens I'm when people get to go home scared. Now, so. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, it is fear. Fear, fear, fear. But anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted. So no. mission, you're, you're at Mission Gathering now. So I was at Mission Gathering, but I looked at that church for years going, this is everything I want. This is everything mm. I care about. This is everything about my own orientation, my relationship with God, the things that I know that God, uh, you know, does not condemn and the things that God is not, you know, getting ready to do the big spiritual smackdown, which is what mm. people want you to believe, mm. but was concerned that it would be too theologically liberal for me. And mm. then when I got there, finally, and it was because I was uh, pastoring at a Salvation Army on a Salvation Army campus, but wasn't part of the Salvation Army gig, which okay. is a whole world in itself. Yeah. Um, I really needed recovery from that. And a friend of mine said, you should go to this church. It's amazing. The only difference between mm-hmm. he was actually a pastor. He said, the only difference between Rich and I is that Rich is gay and, and I'm not. So I went and checked it out and it was like the most, and I know it's a dirty word right now, but it was truly the most evangelical church I've ever been to. It was the most genuinely pushing the genuine gospel. Mm. Um, and it just felt like being home. And it it really felt amazing after years of being the person who was always kind of the diversity in every church we were ever at. You can't get away from conservatism in mainstream San Diego Christianity. Mm. And there's such a hypocrisy to it. And it just felt so freeing to be somewhere that... Um, where everything that I knew was kind of being affirmed and also being in a place, and you probably saw this when you were there. I don't see it as much now, but for the first year I was there, I swear, you'd look around and there would be multiple people in tears just grasping that that yeah. that affirmation. It yeah. was incredible. Totally. That absolutely happened for me there. It, I came to it at a time in my life when I needed a little healing too. Um, it was at the end of well well, you and I actually met uh, when I was in a role at a church here in San Diego that I had helped to start Um, and my relationship with that church and those people fell apart when I started to date men (laughs) Um, and had you been were you out at the time I was out in the terms of yeah this is so so fun uh, because I've talked about this in terms of you have to come out in stages right Right. like so it's you're, you're constantly coming out and I, um, when I first moved here, I would, I made the choice to, or I, I made the, I had the realization and then made the choice to make the public statement that I am gay. That's not going to change. Um, cause prior to that I had been trying to become straight. Um, and so mm-hmm. when I started the church, I was in a place of like, I, I've tried everything I know to try to change my orientation. That's not going to happen. So I have to figure out how to 
live with this. Um, so I'm, I'm gay, but I'm single and celibate. So that's how I started. And were you at peace with that or were you? At the time? I mean, it wasn't like a joyful decision. Right. Like I wasn't. Right. But it was necessary. I wasn't necessary. thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I would say I was very much like it was a choice I made. Yeah. It was, it's a choice I made. I mean, I guess you could definitely make a case for it's a choice I made because of I was compelled to because of, you know, X, Y, Z, um, the culture I was in. But yeah, I think it was a decision that I was okay with at the time. Um, so I was there for five years and, um, during those five years is when I really kind of came to terms with my sexuality and, and, you know, finally 2010 decided I would, I would date. And I thought, uh, the folks in the church, I thought a lot of them had come along with me on that journey. Mostly like my close friends who were on, on staff, I thought had, and it just turned out that I, you know, nobody was really communicating very well. And we just all had different ideas about what was going on. So when I did decide to date, it was an issue. Um, things fell apart and I ultimately ended up at mission gathering after that. So it was my entree into a church where for the first time I was out fully. Um, I was with my boyfriend, um, you know, I was able to participate in, in a church life. Was it amazing to you it to awesome. be there and, awesome. and be? Yep. I was one of those people who had the tears in their eyes every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it wasn't long before I was asked to, you know, participate in, in the band and playing guitar and that kind of stuff. So it was, yeah, again, a place where I was able to come out of something really shitty and come into a place where I felt valued, seen, could be myself, could be authentic. Um, it was good. Yeah. That's how I feel about it mm. most weeks that I'm there. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. So you're a musician as well, though, right? Because that is how we... I Yeah. So I brought I, you in to play it at the church I had started. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and leading worship is probably the most drama-ridden, um, uncomfortable. And it's amazing because when you're up there doing music, you really are in that space of, right. of worship. But... Um, I avoided doing worship, had done, you know, music from the, from my twenties, um, but avoided doing music. In fact, yeah, this is one of the things that makes me, <laughs> this is one of the things I may come back later and go, <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of that part. But, um, I was actually over to church in North Park and this was, um, my son was like a year and a half old and he's 18 now. Um, so you guys can do the math. Um, <laughs> and I was being pushed every week by the pastor. I was there with my husband. Um, and it was not a good relationship. We did, just did not have a great relationship. And the pastor kept pushing me. Can you please lead worship? Can you please? It's like, there's no way already. You guys have you seen the mess you have here? So much backbiting and everything. Finally, I did it. A friend of mine was bringing in uh, his friend who he kind of wanted to, you know, evangelize. And uh, so he brought his friend in to play bass. And I'm like, okay, my husband was the drummer, um, phenomenal drummer, uh, and met this guy. And within like two weeks, I knew things were, we started doing music together and had asked my husband at the time, hey, we're going to all do music together. Let's get together. And he was like, yeah, I don't have any interest in doing that. I'm like, I'm going to go anyway. Normally, I would not have done that. Mm -hmm. 
um, and ended up falling in love with this guy. And it was like being hit by lightning. It was the most uh, it, it was the most egregious thing I could ever imagine subjecting myself to or allowing to happen in my life because divorce was never an option. When you come mm. from Christianity, divorce is not ever an option. And I'm not the kind of person who was legalistic in, in any way. And yet I knew that that was the thing that God was going to condemn me for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tried to work it out. It was at first time, like nothing happened. There was just like these intense feelings and told my pastor, this is bad. He's like, no, no, you've got the victory. Everything's going to be okay. Had the pastor come and, you know, meet with uh, my husband and myself who freaked out and was like, fuck you, fuck this. I have no interest in any of this anymore. Mm. Had been, we had been together for like 16 years. Mm. Um, Had been always, you know, accusing me of screwing around. And um, anyway, within 11 months, I was divorced and remarried. Mm. And it was the kind of thing... That's why doing this type of thing, I think there's such a platform as I've listened to the stories, there's such a platform for people to tell their own experiences with God and to find grace because it took me years to find grace Mm -hmm. for myself. And that like for, for at least six years, I could not find the place in that where I felt like it was God's provision instead of, um, God's, uh, what's the God's provenient will versus God's mm. permissive will. People will tell you, it's yeah. like, you can still step outside of, you know, mm-hmm. what God has planned for you and God will bless you and God right. will protect you. But still, you know, you're still in sin and you're still outside of God's will, even right. if you're getting into heaven by the skin of your teeth and mm. that whole thing. And it has taken me it's only in the last few years that I've been able to look at all of that that happened and say, God is so much better than that. When I look at if I had still been with my ex-husband, who ironically was the drummer that uh, I was at your church with yeah. and and that God just worked these miracles that there was amazing redemption and reconciliation. And that's where I am. Like when mm-hmm. we're talking about Christianity, I am a... I believe that God moves in those incredible ways. But um, yeah, it took me that long to realize that that was God providing for the well-being of my my kids. We ended up, John and I, my husband now, um, adopted a daughter. He's an amazing father to both my kids. Mm -hmm. And in all of that, Danny, who is my ex-husband, who is family, after three really, really bad years of me just praying on my face and and asking God to be in control, just this healing happened. And we started doing music together, going into prisons and doing worship music and um, playing different churches and doing originals. Yeah, it was really amazing. Hmm. So anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, part of the story. Yeah. Man, I... I... So I had completely forgotten about those terms. What are they? Provenient and permissive. And permissive. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I remember like diagrams from high school are coming back. Oh my God. Saw those illustrated. Did you go to Christian school? Yeah, sure did. Did you do Christian everything? 
Yeah. Yeah. The whole life. Well, when you boil it down those terms, like that's not really any, like it's the same conversation as like affirming versus mm. welcoming, you know, like it's mm-hmm. the difference between being celebrated and validated in your story and just sort of this recognition, like the recognition that your story is good. You yeah. Know? Like your story is good versus like awesome. this idea that like, well, your story's bad, but God is good, mm. so it's okay. Like, God will overcome the badness yeah. of your story. And, like, right. there's such a difference. There's such a difference in that feeling. Um, yeah. The feeling between the church that we're at now, um, which I call our weird little unicorn collection <laughs> of weirdos. Um <gasps> I got included on an email. I've been divorced twice. I'm 35. It's cool. Okay. It's real cute. Um, it's a great conversation starter <laughs> on my dating profile. <laughs> the lady is a catch. Um, but I got included on an email. There's an email that sent was sent around uh, from one of the one of the leaders that was just like, hey, I've got a friend who's struggling with her marriage and she needs uh, people to talk to. And there were two people who had like had a hard, had gone through some hard stuff with marriage and like persevered and stayed married. And then me on that. And I sat and stared at the email for the longest time. And I was like, what am I doing on this email? Like church leadership does not ever want to tell my story. Like the fact that my family is doing well with our situation that we're in and our divorce has been a relatively happy one and Mm. we all love each other and hang out and it's been very positive. Like that's, it's like, oh, good for you. Don't, Usually the message is don't tell anybody because, like, we don't want to justify people, you know, making those decisions. Exactly. Like, we don't want you to lead other people astray with your... You're successful. You look normal and happy. Thriving. It's like, this is right. not a good Hold witness up. No, for we can't. agenda. We can't go there. And so just <laughs> the, like, I sat for, like, two days just pulling up all of these shame pieces that I didn't even realize that I still was carrying. And it's just like, my God, like, he, without thinking about it just was like oh yours is a perfectly valid story to bring into this conversation we absolutely would want her to know that, like this is a, a way of that people are thriving and are okay and i was just like what 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 is that but the the profound difference in that like the the way that that can get up under that shame and just be like no yeah, yeah it's okay you're allowed to not only live the story and be okay you're allowed to live the story and like be celebrated and mm. be in the light and be out and proud with with your and story. The fact that we are surprised by stories like that, instead of instead of that being the natural state yeah. of how we treat each other, how the not even us, how the church treats people, right. how the church has conditioned people to judge themselves oh, yeah. and judge each other, and just the damaging hypocrisy of everything that happens in this so antithetical to to christ did you did you grow up in the church yes so the same kind of like what similar yeah i grew up in a, a, a more liberal than matthew's church but um very like i call it the the bay area big box non-denominational right. church yeah <laughs> um yeah i've so, heard you call yeah. it that before the costco like that. churches a very silicon valley uh everyone was very nice you know we did nice things we did nice music yeah. and we had nice, nice times and uh, you were nice. And, and it feels welcoming. Nice oh, it feels yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, of course a, you can come. It was a lovely way to grow up. Like, I had a I had a lovely time growing up in that church. I loved, I went to 
church camp every summer and my uncle was the youth pastor and like my dad was a worship leader and an elder and my mom was the church secretary like it was it was my place like I loved being there I loved growing up there um and I fit there until I didn't fit there suddenly and then it was um it was interesting to watch them struggle because when they were needing to discipline me in their minds they were needing to discipline me and these were all men primarily who loved me very much and I was never in a place where I couldn't understand that they loved me I knew that they loved me we've talked about this but it was at the same time where I was just like this hurts it hurts what you're doing but I understand that you mean it as love but I also think you're wrong and did you take the opportunity? I mean, have you had the opportunity to say this is... Some of it, yeah. I still have relationships with some of them, and we've had some good conversations. There are a couple that came back and apologized to me after years, and, like, there's been a lot of healing. It's this. I was 21 the first time that this all went down. I was married very briefly at 21 um, for four months. It was an exciting... Wow. Yeah, Britney Spears and me. Um, <laughs> trailblazers. Um that was the story I had in my mind. My parents were married very young and I just like, that was the thing that you did. And you know, a lot of denial got me there. Uh, Mm. but, um, yeah, so I was really young and there's been, there's been plenty of time. Uh, I'm, I'm still in contact with a lot of those people. There's been plenty and I'm pretty loud in public about, you know, what I have written about it a lot. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it a lot of what I, you know, and I went through several more phases of deconstruction, sort of coming out in a series over time, um, over the next, you know, 15 years. But yeah, there's been some healing and there won't be in other places and that's going to be okay. But I think they were, they did the best that they knew how to do. They were trying to follow the rules that they felt like they needed to follow and save my eternal soul. Yeah. Which is nice of them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's considerable. It's better than the alternative. (laughs) Like, if they were like, well, screw you and your your, uh, (laughs) eternal soul, that would have been sad. And so, but um, Mm. it is strange what we do. It is, it's amazing when you get out of that mindset and you can look at all of the pressure that I, I know I felt so responsible for so many years for what other people did. Uh, I was so deeply hurt by things that had no effect on me. Like, I'd be disappointed if someone's marriage failed or, yeah. you know, and as you're in that mindset of holding everyone accountable and right. you, know, you have to live in these parameters and you get outside of that and you realize that, like, there's this whole other portion of the world that just, like, is able to freely love each other and take what comes. <laughs> difficult time with some of that Mm. watching how people who have been so um such an an oppression to people like us um 
how they how they get to that place of oh yeah you know everybody likes the gays now so mm. you know we're going to also I just don't I don't know what to do with that yeah. my kids you were taught and I really want to know you mentioned about the curriculum that you were brought that you kind of mentioned that you made you think of school so my kids went to my son went from third grade to twelfth grade to a school over here that's like a Christian homeschool co-op. And we started doing it. (laughs) Fucking awful. Sorry, can I say that? No, you're fine. You can can Um, say fuck all you want. So It's fucking fine. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear it. I'll probably say it more. Anyway, it was like this three-day-a-week. They all did this PACE curriculum, and I'm wondering if that was what you did, like ACE. Um, What is it? What does the ACE stand for? I don't know. I'm American, is, probably. I see. I feel uh, like I there's. I feel like there wasn't. But I think it's. It was but ACS. it was booklets. It's. They're all oh, no, booklets. Yeah. I okay. mean, we 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 had, it was a, it wasn't a huge school. We had. I graduated with like 26 people in my class. But yeah, um, that's what Donovan did. This is like a 200 kid K through 12. Yeah, yeah. That's how we start. I mean, it's much bigger now. My mom actually still teaches there, so I have chosen to. Uh, speak very lightly about this school <laughs> until she retires right. because I don't oh, want to. I don't want to jeopardize right. or endanger her, you know, livelihood in any way. Right. Uh, but yeah, I have some. I have some very strong feelings about it. Absolutely. Um, and I look at what it's done done to my kids. So my daughter is black, and and she's the twelve year old. And finally, when we um, when my son graduated, we just felt freed. And she was at the age where she was starting to understand. I am like the diversity of this school. Right. There are like two other black kids there. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're extremely tea party. But oh. the curriculum Ooh. is so, so we never did the curriculum. My kids always did public school curriculum and they hated us anyway because I have the equal sticker on my car and mm. the Obama sticker and then the Hillary sticker up until like three months ago. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> like a silent battle with stickers. It is yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, it was, I felt like it was a billboard. Like I was able to just say all Christians are not like this. Yeah. Um, it felt like an opportunity. Anyway. I had my Obama magnet um, taken off my car. <gasps> this was in North Park, San Diego. What? I know. Weird. Uh, taken off and somebody actually put a because that was a magnet and then somebody put a what year was this I guess this was a Romney they put a Romney sticker like adhesive sticker on my car I was like are you kidding me like That's someone kind of thing. okay so someone if you came to my car in the night somebody doing that would you <laughs> I'm like well I would I don't even know if I would be mad I'd just be like you are you okay? It just seems like a, like, more, like a profound waste of time. Yeah, like, like, like you're not going to just no. take it off immediately. Are you, yeah, Ooh. that's sick, exactly sick burn. You know, right? yeah, totally. <laughs> Got you. Uh, although to be fair, I pro- I don't know that I noticed it until. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how many days I drove around with, with we Romney on my ass? The entire days. It's possible one person voted differently. <laughs> so maybe it was true. not in North Park. Car. It's like it could have happened. But no, I didn't you... go. I didn't. I went between like Babel Park and North Park. That's where I do my life. But yeah, it was just weird. I was just like, that's I, you've got some real deep issues if that's how you're spending your nights. Like, yeah. at least go do stickers on cars. Um, I'm gonna I, get you. I had Obama knee socks. I just feel like that's really important to contribute. I have Hillary, not knee, shin socks. 
Well, I mean, I'm me, so yeah, shin you socks. You guys get socks. Yeah. I have the yeah. t-shirts in my drawer, and every time I see them, I just feel grief. I know. Oh, it's really right. hard. Yeah. We all have a little bit of, like, our mm-hmm. residual codependent sadness. Are you guys watching Handmaid's Tale? Yes. <gasps> I surely am. I'm only a couple episodes in, so. I'm... Are you still the No spoilers. Season? No spoilers. Yeah. Let um... me just say, I was on my elliptical this morning, and I'm caught <laughs> up, and was, like, um... My heart rate was just mm. racing, and I was crying and going, "This is so counterintuitive." Ooh, wow! <laughs> I should be doing yeah. exercise. Right? <laughs> this is exhausting emotionally is, and physically, yes. and all of my systems are this ruined. Is not right alleviating now. any oh, of gosh. my stress. No, but at least you could like run from something, right? Like the adrenaline is kicking, and I keep feeling like there's, it's such an important show. There are so many people who should be watching oh, this, and mm. I was thinking that when you're talking about the person with the stickers that needs a better pastime yeah. i have one for you here's one assigned television yeah. watch this here you go yeah, yeah. i wish it worked though oh. they just yeah i feel like i have to catch up especially now that um miss miss sanders mrs sanders uh has been compared to aunt lydia on the oh. on the show i don't know <laughs> so good <laughs> just yeah I'm just ver- you waited so perfectly. i'm very excited it really to is that appropriate oh, that was yeah. a sick burn like a real one better it, than stickers i didn't even understand it but it felt sick oh it was sick yeah, yeah. it really was <laughs> and then i look at people that i posted something about the comedian she was on fresh air it was an incredible interview yeah, Michelle yeah. Wolf. i want yeah. to listen to that somebody else just recommended that today yeah. actually it was uh it, it was a okay. really great interview and um yeah the fact that i know people who are actually saying i had somebody private message me today and say you know i really have to call you out for (laughs) you know this woman who was criticizing other women we can't have women bashing other women and she was criticizing her looks it's like first of all she was not criticizing her looks not even a little bit and secondly they've grabbed onto that as yeah or the point right and when that is for sure not what was happening there were two men whose looks were criticized mm-hmm. i didn't see anybody rushing yep. to their defense not nobody, even a little bit nobody yeah. seems upset. and at the same Sorry, time Chris christy yeah and, i mean he's uh, used to Mitch it McConnell. Now. Uh, the, <laughs> also used to i mean it could yeah. be that we've just stopped hearing that at this <laughs> point we're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just a, a strange thing that people are um as blind as they are and it's one of those things that makes you go has it Am I yeah. missing it entirely? Oh, I know, am I right? the one that's right? Can I really be, you know, yeah, am, am I, I the, the one, one who gets it? It's got the blinders on. Or, <laughs> or am yeah, I yeah. deceived? It, it 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 it's infuriating to me that the discussion has revolved around that piece, this this made up fight between two women. Right. Which was you not, posted about this earlier. Yeah, it was not the point. The not the point. The point Michelle made her final, like, let me drive this thing home was all about the press. How the press is complicit. The press created this monster and now benefits from this president um, financially. Like that was that was the crux of what she was there to yeah. discuss. And the fact that the press, which of course they're they're not going to turn the spotlight on themselves, but still, all of the conversation has been around this completely made up. It was a total compliment. Smokey, the perfect smoky right? eye. Like, <laughs> which, if you know anything, you know is a compliment. Right? Because, like, that is not easy shit to achieve, yeah. the perfect yeah. smoky eye. No. But, you know, missing... I would like to achieve that one Deliberately day. 
being deliberately obtuse and missing the point that women yeah. are trying to make is job number one. Like we know that. That's yeah. you know how can we turn this into a cat fight? Yeah. Uh, it is yeah. gross and it's boring. Super gross. It's, thank you. It's very boring. It's so boring. Deeply boring. Played to death. Also, this is the second time. I love that this is where we are right now. <laughs> this is the second time today that Mitt Romney has come up in my life in the context of the two thousand like really? whatever election. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about Hillary all the time still. I don't know why we're not still talking about Romney. I mean, right. we talk about we want to talk about failed candidates. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I can tell you, I've right, been having so. this conversation about like since the Clinton era mm. about the hypocrisy of Christianity of, of mm. that these are the people. Yeah. How are how are the people that claim Jesus mm-hmm. the ones who are and. Again, I can't believe I'm still having this same conversation. Yeah. That the people who are supposed to be truthful and taking care of the poor and taking care of the oppressed and promoting health care yeah. and allowing in the foreigners, it's just a really strange. Yeah. It so, is the antithesis. Yeah. Like, of the what, where, yeah. what is the, I don't even know like how to phrase this question. What has become the drive and the motivation and, and what is the what is the church about nowadays if that's because yeah i saw the meme today where um you know it was uh, in the 90s like republicans were the ones outraged about this potential moral misstep by president clinton um and now we've got a bona fide you know like affair that is like on the books documented admitted right. to uh, uh, on every level now we've, we've we know that he's like paid the money back and knew about it, that kind of thing. And like, supposedly it's the same people who are defending Trump in this instance, who were like casting the stones at, at Clinton back then. So like, what is that shift? Where are we now? I don't understand <laughs> because exactly, I am, I'm so, yes, I'm so far I don't removed. Understand. You don't understand because you're coming at it from a place of logic, um, which, you know, Instead of hysteria? Instead of hysteria. I mean, I think it's fear. It is fear. It's 90% fear yeah. and like 10%, I don't know, propaganda, Yeah. which is also fear. So maybe 100 fear. I mean, Matt Walsh. <laughs> we were, okay, yeah. so <laughs> Matthew today is like, did you see what Matt Walsh tweeted? And I hadn't thought. This is like the horrible guy, right? right? Horrible right. Horrible guy. Okay. It's pretty yeah. much exactly. Yeah. Matt like, Walsh. I blocked yeah. that name out of my memory, but I'm pretty sure that, oh God. Oh God. Yes. And then we went on his, on his Twitter feed and I was like, yeah, this is why I stopped paying attention to this cretin. But he, um, I think he summed it up well with his completely ridiculous suggestion that all he said all of the all of the slippery slopes that christians have been afraid of for the last however many years have come true every single one of them and that though obviously demonstrably false Mm -hmm. that's the fear like that's like that's the that's the constant message everything that you are afraid of is coming true Mm. these people are making it come true. And I go into conversations with people all the time on Facebook where I just come in. And the first thing that I do when I jump in is I say, hi, my name is Karen. I have a daughter. Her name is Fable. She's five. We have kittens. We love people. We love doing things. I'm a human being. I'm a person because Mm. like there's this really heavy indoctrination of like you liberal, you are this, you are this, you are this. And I come in, I'm like, I'm a mother. Yeah. I'm a, human i'm a a person i'm a person um 
we've lost that. We've mm. lost that because there's so much fear. There's so much fear stuck mm. in between. You can't even start the conversation. So I agree that it's fear, but I think every single thing that they've been afraid of has been realized in Donald Trump. Right. And that they are now supporting it. Like you said, how, what is the church about if the church is the one propping up this bastion of immorality, like mm -hmm. genuine immorality? Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have anything but yeah. I, being so astounded. the the fear. Um, what was the? There was a a new study that just came out from. I hate when I'm like, it's a reputable thing. I promise. I saw it on the internet. Huffington um, Post. I know, right? No, it wasn't. It was. It's a university. <laughs> I want. It was. Uh, I don't know what university, and I'll just have to do the research and maybe put the link in the show notes. But um, a study about that basically disproved the whole economic anxiety theory that that's the reason that Middle America went for Trump um, was because of economic anxiety. It just it that wasn't it. Like that mm. was not the reason. The reason was truly like white people are going to lose their clout. Right. White people are right. going to lose our, our place in this world. Right. Um, and that, that was the, the, the results of this study. Um, and then, you know, uh, and that we're so misogynistic, sorry to take no, you please. off track, but that we're so misogynistic that we take the most qualified candidate that truly we've ever seen, yep. ever yeah. had. And that we put a reality show host mm -hmm. who is a pussy grabber and off. I mean, like, yeah. Self-professing. Yep. Well, yeah. we really didn't like her pantsuits. I mean, right. yeah, and her tired. shrill voice. Yeah, and she was so aggressive uh -huh. and like, oh god, pushy and like too emotional. I just finished um, re, not rereading. Re, I I read it the first time and now listening to uh, Amy Poehler's Yes Please mm. memoir and and uh, she uh, today was just going on about bossy women and how much she loves bossy women. Like yeah. bossy women are maligned and you know, they're the, the, that whole shrill caricature that we have in culture. But she's like, those are the women I'm hanging out with. Like I'm right. seeking those people yeah. out. Like, yeah. 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 Right. What, what more is there to say? It's been, oh, it's all been said. We're just living it right now. We are, we're in Handmaid's Tale, right? Like that's. It feels like <laughs> we're yeah, we're on two the years out, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's been actually they've been playing around with like trying to solidify us in time. I think a little more this season with some of the things that they've been doing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> like, uh -oh. oh, look, look at that. We're predicting not far out into the future. Um, Yikes. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, the. The Christian church's relationship with Trump, I think, is just sort of undeniable evidence that the facade is more important than the heart of the thing for the church in America overall. Like, we are more, as long as the right words are spoken, what is happening underneath it I mean, I think the Christian church has a long history of like, here's what happens at church on Sunday. And mm -hmm. we don't speak of what everyone does when they go home. And like, there yeah. is that separation of people's lives. And I feel like Trump is really a caricature of that. Yeah. Like, as long as he does the things we want him to do policy wise, as long as he says the words that we want him to say, what he does behind closed doors, we're going to turn a blind eye to until we absolutely can't 
anymore. And then they really go silent. Everybody just kind of goes yeah, silent kind of when, it, when it comes to something where they can't, you can't refute it. It just gets very quiet. Mm. And I don't know what the breaking point will be. Like, I, there has to be a point at some point where something will come to light and they will say, okay, but maybe. I maybe. mean, maybe we, not. We That's hope. maybe like denial right. is just like. We fucking hope. The more yeah. you practice it, the better at it you get, I guess. Yeah. You have to stand I mean, by your man. Hear Talk the about stuff slippery about... slopes. That's yeah, a fucking slippery stand slope. Stand by your man. What were you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> it's just horrific. What do you think uh, about the whole theory about, because this is another thing I've seen floated, is that Christians care so deeply about um, end times prophecy and what's what's to come, like what's happening next, that they really, like there's this large population of Christians who genuinely believe that Trump is going to usher in. That they're, yeah, the, that they can the promote eschatology. Yes, yeah, that yeah. They that, can. Uh, and so that the, wait, the, is he like Nikolai Carpathia? Is that? What he is? <laughs> oh my God! Tim yeah. LaHaye uh, <laughs> has something to say. Um, <laughs> That's uh, so awful that you know that. For that. I know that. Yes. Everyone knows it, and there's that. Okay, how many of those novels did you buy in an airport? <laughs> Be truthful. Oh, I bought them like at the Berean Christian <laughs> bookstore, <laughs> family Christian stores. For yeah, me. yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, we, and read them. We read. I don't think I ever finished a series because what there were like twenty something. Right? I did like I, well, yeah, two I, of them. I, I got over it before we were done. <laughs> they, they were so real awful. I, yeah. I was probably a good ten deep before I. They were poorly them. written and they were just. Yeah. Um, but there, I've seen I've seen this as a, as a theory around why Christians are so gung ho, um, you know, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to all these things. Like they're like, well, no, because it's signs of the end of times. It's been dr- and and I know for in my experience, like for my father, like that's a very specific thing for him and his faith that he cares a lot about is end times, es- eschatology, all of it. Like there was a minute there where he was really freaking me out actually about how how deep into this stuff he was going to the. Um, uh, just ignoring almost everything else in life now, like here, here and now what we're actually living. He was just so deep in his obsession with what's coming next. So I could, I could see that, that for part of the population of Christians, at least like there's this, well, you know what, we're going to, we will excuse all this behavior. We acknowledge that, yeah, it sucks and it's bad. And he's, he's a shitty person, but so but what's horrible? Jesus about is coming that? back. Yeah, the whole, exactly. The world will get worse until it gets better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until Jesus. But what's trying. horrible about that is when you look back at the t- like when I was at the time those books were out, and you know, in that era, we still Russia was still an issue, and it was like okay, you can kind of get there, and then things evened out. And for me, it was like, yeah, this is obviously a pile of shit, and doesn't make sense scripturally. Now we're in a place. Whereas scripturally, it's like, oh my God, hey, I promoted, I mean, like, yeah, and I'm not saying I think that we are on the edge of the rapture or anything. I don't think that's scripturally sound, but all of those, um, all of those facets of what they use to make it sound credible are now happening right now. So yeah, they probably are terrified about that, but I think it is the, I think more than anything, it's the power aspect, yeah. and I think it's the fear of, mm-hmm. like you were that saying, power. that, yeah, the the misogyny and the um, wanting to stay in control. Um, but also, I think it's just people who are duped by a system mm-hmm. 
that's meant to keep them that's meant to keep rich white men yep. in power yeah yeah and that they're that they're buying into it and that's what i was going to say about the school that my my kids were going to looking at the curriculum my son's girlfriend has this curriculum and that they have to do so all the high schoolers have to do this curriculum called i think it's called successful living mm. and there are i don't know 10 or 20 books and multiple books talk about the strange woman and they talk about girls and talk to girls is that they are evil and seductresses and there are pictures in there there was a picture i actually ordered the books so i could use them as a sermon example hmm. there was a picture of a man in a cage with a big woman like standing over the cage and oh, you know God. like latching the door can we send it to matt walsh so this is he probably uses it to teach his children i'm sure he does um, this is the the message that kids are getting so even my yeah. son who has come out of this like we battled it was it was the most difficult thing by the time we we allowed him to go there because he had anxiety as a kid um mm -hmm. and i couldn't by third grade i was like i cannot homeschool on my own and it was there were great things about it i could you know, take him there, wait in the parking lot for him, knew he was safe, knew that the people who were there regarded what they were doing as ministry that was never unsafe. They're not hitting kids. They were pretty nurturing. But by the time we realized that he's like having to, you know, we're the kind of family that sits around at the table and talks about condoms and, mm. you know, just all the things that we're talking about now. Right. That's yeah. what we talk about with right. our kids. Super open. Yeah, that he's like coming away from this having to play centrist. Wow. And we were freaking out. Mm. And by that time, he was moving <clears throat> into high school. He's like, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. And I feel like we've had to, and he graduated high school early, so he's been out of there for like a, a year and a half. But we had to we had to like really detox him. Mm. And it's only now that I'm starting to realize, okay, like his favorite band is Green Day. He really has, I mean, <laughs> he gets it. He's, He's gonna, gonna be all right. right. Exactly. He's, He's gonna coming be okay. back. Um, <laughs> but that, that indoctrination into that thought process, mm. it's, um, that starts from, from, you know, they're teaching these kids this in, in preschool, kindergarten. Oh, and yeah. that this is, when you look at there are states, entire states here in Southern California, it's an anomaly, but there are entire states teaching their kids these scriptural fallacies, yeah, twisting the word. And when you say, what is the church supposed to be? I mean, this is why I'm in ministry, why I believe so strongly in what I do. And every time I preach and I preach fairly frequently, um, I'm doing an internship at, at Mission Gathering and I preach probably once a month. Every time I'm like, am I pushing it? Am I being too political? Am I? Mm. And when you look at what the Bible says, the Bible is so political. Jesus was so political. He was speaking out about the very things that I see you talking about online that I know that I'm um, intensely motivated to mm. talk about and to bring up. And that Church isn't, that's the biggest fear for me is that the representation of church, the representation of church is the Trump people. Yeah. It's yeah. not us. Yeah. And yeah. That, to the degree that, 
people like like you guys and I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the impression that I get from a lot of people who no longer identify as evangelical or no longer identify as Christian mm-hmm. do so not because they've abandoned Jesus, but because they feel like the church has abandoned oh, yeah. them. Yeah. And that there's no like there's no place for me to yeah. be. And at this point, I refuse to give up those labels because I know what for me what they mean and what they're supposed to mean. But who knows? I mean, right. yeah, well, I can super appreciate that. Uh a lot of the people that we've had on Heathen, I think, are in that exact same spot. Like, exactly what you said. I, I, it's not that I've disavowed Jesus. It's that mm. I feel like Jesus' name is being completely abused and appropriated in, into a culture that has nothing to do with who Jesus was. So, right. um, and then, and then there are, I mean, there are people like me who I, I, I genuinely don't uh, look to Jesus as savior. Like, that's not mm. a thing for me anymore. Yeah. Um, but I still feel a little bit of, of that pull that you're talking about to, we've talked about this on, on, on the podcast before, uh, just to not abdicate my spot in the thing because I don't want somebody else to speak on my behalf. Like, right. I, I, I hate that. The, I, I absolutely hate that the church, the, the general representation of the church is that, you know, evangelicals back Trump. Like that sucks. Right. Because they're, I mean, the Christians I know and hang out with today, with the exception of a handful from, you know, past lives, like, most of them find everything that's going on really atrocious and repulsive and and would love to see the whole situation redeemed. And are totally disturbed by having our spirituality defined by that. Co-opted, yeah, Yeah, completely. So even me, somebody who's like, well, I'm not a Christian, Jesus isn't my savior, like those kinds of things. Like, I mean, I I, I still lead music at a quote-unquote church, you know, like at, at Sojourn because... I don't know. There is something in that that's like, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you completely push me out of this thing that was. It's so much more than my faith, right? Like it was my culture, it was my home, it was where you you talked about growing up in the church, Karen. Like where that was your space, like yeah. you were comfortable there. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know the language. I know if 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 <laughs> God forbid, Handmaid's Tale did happen, like. I would be able to like fit in Assimilate. super easily. Yeah. yeah, I'd be able to like play the double agent. <laughs> At least I hope I would have the courage to like play this the double agent or people. just go down fighting, like whatever. But um, yeah, it's I, I'm not. That's so funny because there was just in the episode. It's not a spoiler or anything, but just in the episode <laughs> I saw today, she was talking about these are the people who knew that they were supposed to be playing a game way back. Mm. Who were like living in that safe space. Yep. Well, and it's like. It's weird because it almost is, there's an alternate reality that has been preached. I mean, you've got a, you've got an American Christian church that has been preaching to primarily power-holding white men who identify as evangelical for, I don't know, a solid amount of time now. Yeah, what a good 30 years. As though they are the occupied Mm. as opposed to fucking Rome, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, And that right. has been this shift. Like, the, the whole narrative of the Bible shifts that way. The whole story, every lesson. Because then you have men who are in power, who are being told 
who are being handed these lessons that were so necessary to raise up people who were oppressed, right? So Jesus' whole thing is like, let's pull up these people who are yes. oppressed. But when you hand that to someone who already has the power, then this whole fictional thing happens mm-hmm. where like suddenly we're being oppressed when we're not being oppressed. There's a war on Christmas and my wife wants to have an opinion and like everything is, <laughs> I am I am occupied by all of this. And it's, it's an illusion. Like it's a giant collective illusion that I think in so many ways has just been born of the way that we present those stories. We yeah. all want to be Jesus. We all identify with the yeah. occupied, oppressed people in the stories instead of the oppressor, which totally. the yeah. story of the That's Bible so is the story of speaking truth to power. And yeah. we're the power Absolutely. as the Christian church, not the speakers of the truth to power. That's not been the way that it's gone. I remember that very visceral feeling that I, that, my rights are being infringed upon as yeah. a Christian. Like, right. I remember... You remember, like, actually feeling that way? Yeah! 100%, 110% feeling like, what a sad little minority we are, the Christians. Right. Um, I remember being thrilled when um, I was a total um, TV junkie, like, raised by TV kid, um, even though I wasn't allowed to watch most of it. I did a lot of... <laughs> A lot of VHS <laughs> taping and like watching in secret later, that kind of thing. Um, uh, TV Guide had an issue <laughs> that was all about God once mm-hmm. one week. I remember it was, and it touched by an angel was like, I think, I think Della Reese was probably on the cover. But um, I just remember taking that to my mom and being like, look, like we're getting some play we're here. Like, like, like Christians <laughs> are getting a little bit of like, like, like that was such a, huge milestone yeah, in my spiritual journey we're making it clearly yeah. until that point yeah this i was like I, I, this is a victory for god that right. that roma downey is on the cover of tv yeah. guy uh, i yeah yeah i somehow had an idea that i had been persecuted like <laughs> and I, I cannot think of a single instance in my absurdly privileged life right? where i have been confronted by really Outside of like the just being a girl in the world stuff, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. N- not many places in my life where persecution has really been a part of the conversation. Like I generally walk through the world yeah. pretty undeterred by persecution. Yeah. And yet I remember like standing at CU at the pole mm. at 13 and just being yes. like having so much righteousness built around this idea that I was like, defying the chains that had somehow held me as I just a freaking like white evangelical in the bay in area, the bay area in California. California. <laughs> like what the fuck is that like that's it's nonsense it's utter nonsense dude i was at a christian school and i felt that way at yeah, the whole right? days like we would go Damn and there it. would be the students who wouldn't come right like uh-huh. you knew who were the good christians because right. they were at cu at the pole right and then what the Jesus rest of the do? day, it's like, well, oh, that, that person wasn't there. They're not they're, proud of their yeah, faith. they're not mm-hmm. proud. They're judging us, like, whatever. At a Christian school, I was worried <laughs> about this bullshit. Oh, I can't even. So I was born in 67 um, mm-hmm. to very, like, intellectual hippie parents mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. So for me, my my experience with, and I've, I was just writing about this for sermon on Sunday, my foundation was attending 
Lutheran Sunday school at my grandparents' church. Occasionally we'd go to church with my grandparents and it was super, it was very nurturing. It was Jesus as love. My earliest perceptions of this is like three years old. I remember knowing that Jesus was love. There's no condemnation. Um, and really trusting mm. God as a nurturing God and realizing, I remember being three or four years old and having conversations with my parents about, and I guess this is why I have the conversations I do with my kids, mm -hmm. but about um, understanding that people, that Christians didn't want women in leadership and that Christians were condemning gay people and knowing as a little kid that mm. that was so wrong. Mm. And being horrified by it at that point. And then it wasn't until I fell in with some like Calvary Chapel, Foursquare people who were, and I was a, you know, I was a, I was a really mature kid and smoked and stuff and being 14 and, and babysitting for these neighbors who came from their own background of some drug use and dysfunction and stuff, but, you know, very successful people who accepted me just as I was and let me take care of their kid and everything, but were definitely the born again, spiritual deliverance, deliverance from the drug use and everything. And, you know, like saw them speaking in tongues at a Bible study and it was really impacting for me mm. and them having that attitude of, you know, you're either in or you're out, you're mm -hmm. saved or you're not, and there's not universal salvation. And then starting to question, like we were talking about earlier, am I, you know, do I just not get it? I don't feel like I don't get it. And mm. okay, so also as a bisexual person, like this whole, there's a, oh, and we talked about this a little bit, and you turned me on to that some other podcast that was incredible. Query? Query. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I so, but like so that much. straight privilege that goes along with being a bisexual woman in a heterosexual relationship and mm. you feel like nobody gets it. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, my whole point in that was really sidetracked. My whole point in that was that really questioning, you know, am I not? Am I not getting it? Does you know, God condemn me for this, but accept me for this. And maybe I am deceived, but also knowing, no, I know who I am and always felt like, I mean, I've always felt as adamantly as I do now that the system is just fucked up and that I, I feel like I have to be, you have to be careful about what you say about America now. And, yeah. Um, kind of careful, whatever. <laughs> Well, I'm going to wind up being a handmaid probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do feel like I should say that like there are people who have legitimately been persecuted for Christianity. And, well, like, I was, yeah, I was going to acknowledge that too, because right. we actually, I think I was realizing as we discussed it, I think 
where I got a lot of that persecution complex was from the missionaries. Yeah. Who came, who came back, back right? the story. and reported right. on the situations in other countries. Yeah. Which yeah. were legitimate. Absolutely. So legitimate. And no one should be persecuted. <laughs> and happening for their faith. now. That shouldn't yes, be happening. Absolutely and happening now. Where that is happening, and I'm, I'm sure there are places, I'm sure there are stories where that's happened even within the context of this country where, you know, there's a definite heaping shit ton of Christian privilege. Even yeah. here, I'm sure there are people who have suffered for their beliefs. And yeah. that, for the record, should never be happening. Never. Ever. Yeah. Under any fully, circumstances. Fully, fully, 100%. But me personally, and I think many people growing mm-hmm. up, had a false sense yeah. of having been persecuted. Yeah. And which is almost even worse to like it's corrupt creepy. someone else's like genuine actual uh heart hardship and pain. Yeah. And take that and adopt it as your own. Like right. I'm, like what kind of weird appropriation is that? Like um, that's disgusting and awful. Yeah. Here's yeah. the irony now is that the way that it's going, the people who are being persecuted, and I don't mean persecuted like what we're talking about happening in other countries, but the people who are being called out and vilified and marginalized are the Christians who are standing up for um, for the least of these. Yeah. And I find that extremely disturbing for the yeah. people who are and it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecy it's back to that whole end times thing it's like yeah. man are we just gonna mm. push ourselves into a you know um i can't even like apocalypse the edge of the apocalypse and just yeah. and i don't you know i want to say mm. no that's not gonna happen that's <laughs> silly it is it's, said, it's the gospel of inclusion times. that yeah. is being you know, it, it, right. it, that like that—that's the voice I would love to represent the church, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's the voice that is totally silenced, and the gatekeepers won't threatens power. Yeah, but I think there are. I mean, there. Are, it, it took me this long to realize that there are going to to seminary at a extremely liberal seminary. Um, it's only in the last 10 years that I've realized there are so many of us that there are so yeah, many people who are, yeah. and it's who get it's, it from a spiritual mm-hmm. perspective, whatever that perspective oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder a lot about why our voices haven't coalesced and, and we're not a louder group. And I think a lot of it just comes down to, well, when you're in, when you're in power, conscious of it or not, like you're, you're, I mean, you have something to defend, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's why conservative, whatever, uh, right? Yokel Christianity is. <laughs> we're just over here having tacos. Like, I, I know. know we're like, it's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Yeah. I think we're not scared enough, though, yeah. to to promote our our agenda. Yeah. yeah. Either, and that's one of the things that I don't know if you guys saw this study a couple years back that. The fear component, people who are conservatives have this fear trigger that is far greater mm-hmm. than people yeah, yeah. who yeah. vote, you know, more liberally. Well, yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that since November of 2016, you've seen a really, really like yep. huge upswing in the visibility of sort of the progressive church, yeah. more or less. That's a broad. There's not really a great umbrella catch all for everybody, no. but whatever we are um and just even on a, on a larger scale the the women's movement i right. mean like that on like that it <laughs> I, I hate the way i'm about to phrase this but like we owe that to the election of trump like like yeah 
we yeah. had eight years of Obama a wake and up call. right and bullshit. We all all that bullshit was still happening and going on, like, right. like the Me Too movement. But we like, could ignore it. But we could ignore it mm-hmm. because we had a false sense of yeah. well-being, really, which is interesting. And I think it's when you are confronted daily. I mean, Trump, if for all of the horrific things I could say about <clears throat> Trump, he is a daily reminder that things are not as they should be, and he has made it in a lot of ways, impossible for a lot more of us to rest in privilege and Mm. to pretend that it's okay. I have to say, having a black daughter, Mm. I Mm -hmm. spent the Obama years freaking out. Mm. Really? From from the beginning, from the first State of the Union address, Mm. where somebody yelled at, in the State of the Union, yelled out, you lie to the yeah. president of the mm. United States. And it was so clear yeah. that it was racially motivated. And then stories started coming out that, you know, that like the night that he took office or the night he was elected, that the, you know, Mitch McConnell and his people got together and said, our only objective is right. to make it's this make guy's sure entire presidency a failure. Yeah. yeah. And that, that to see, um, because up until that point, I think there was a comfort with, look, we look progressive. We have the people of color and, you know, mm. in yeah. all of the spaces and we don't have anything to to worry about, but they don't have real power and nobody could have imagined mm. Barack Obama coming, you know, being a, a senator for what, like two years yeah. and then becoming president. And it was such a threat. Yeah. And I think that's... I, that that fear is what brought us Donald Trump yeah, as much as sure. anything else. And so having and then seeing all of the things that we're seeing doesn't mean it's happening more often. It's just because of social media right. mm-hmm. that we're seeing all yeah. the things that are going on and having a child that right now she's under the protection of her white family. But in four years, three and a half years, she's going to be three years she's gonna be just another black person behind the wheel Mm. and that's that's um Mm. it really changes your perspective yeah so as much as the obama years were awesome and i i mean you know i'll never forget election night oh my god i went over to uh (laughs) over to some friend's house we were gonna have a party and felt like i was gonna die when yeah. you know they, yeah. the returns are coming in for for trump um yeah. oh yeah totally yeah man that's i mean i'm super guilty of having those blinders on during the obama presidency oh, yeah, like i sure. i um yeah it was just cool it was cool we did it check right. black president you know yeah. like <laughs> um done. and 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 because he was working so hard the entire time he was in office for lgbtq plus yes rights like that was you know yeah i I had a really narrow focus like i was really hyper focused on what's going on with our rights and and that because all of that was moving forward it was just so easy right to forget and ignore and not even be aware of everything else that's going on for people of color for women i mean it it just yeah as Super much guilty. as I feel like this conversation is such a, it's like, oh my God, is this what I came here for? It makes me think of all the things we have to be aware of and do differently. Yeah. Like right. I have for years, like whatever <laughs> this, water yeah. bottle I get, 
I get a new, you know, sticker. I have a stack of them, but I put an equal sticker on it. Yeah. And at the end of, you know, the Obama presidency, I was like, got my new water bottle. And it's like, I don't even need a new, I, yeah. it's like, it's a done era. I yeah. don't have to do it's my equal sticker anymore. Right. And then this, and it's like, yeah, I put the equal sticker on all of them. So really the conversation becomes, what do we do? So we're not, you know, just kind of having the blinders on and resting in our continued privilege. Because I think for so many people, it feels like, it feels like, well, we're okay. Yeah. Well, so bringing it back to your story then and what you are doing, because I mean, I want, I do want to talk some more about you being in ministry as a woman, as by being bisexual, being a parent of a child of color, like all of these things, like, and, 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 and still practicing. Well, I guess let's talk first a little bit about like where, so you, you've already said, you know, I'm, you're a Christian, right? right. Like that is a label yeah. you would, you would take on your be- belief in God is still very much driving you. Is that? It absolutely does. But it also, I've struggled with that. Like one of my biggest crises of faith has been considering whether there's hell or okay so let me Mm. say i actually do believe in scripturally hell as a a place but saying really allowing myself to go back to that childhood belief that really what kind of god would send people to hell and if jesus said it is finished on the cross and that you know our works are not what get us saved then it really has to be done so then you fall into this kind of like well, if we don't have to evangelize people away from hell, what are we evangelizing them towards? Mm-hmm. What's the what's our agenda there? And for me, I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that if there is universal salvation, which I, you know, I, I kind of lean more and more towards, that our job here is still to bring people comfort and an awareness of a God who loves them and their own value and their own worth so they can turn around and tell that to other people. Because I think that a lot of the people that we're talking about who are fear motivated and fall into these patterns of voting for people and programs that are detrimental on every level, that happens because they don't know their own Mm -hmm. self-worth. Um, it sounds so simplistic saying it that like we just have to tell everybody that God loves them and <laughs> it's all going to be better. But I do think we need to. Yeah. I do yeah. think that people kinda, need to know that they have value. Kind of does make it better. Like yeah. there's a lot. I think there's a lot behind that. This idea of instead of the paradigm shift of instead of shaming the bad behavior that's. I mean, we talk about this a lot of calling people back to who they are instead of calling out how they failed. So the idea Mm. of reminding people, you know, you are loved. It's really that simple. You are loved child of God. You are loved whatever. You are loved however you want to phrase it. But just this idea of like you are loved and lovable and how people, you know, when you shame people, they go into hiding and split, right? So you have a public persona and a private persona. But when you just call, continue to call back to this, you are loved, like people live into that, I think, in a really powerful way. And it becomes transformative. Mm-hmm. But we 
we really like the shame cycle. And that if we can do that and still have unity, even in the face of differences, the denomination that we're part of is yeah. um, extremely ecumenical. So they, even the congregation, there's a general church and there are regions, mm -hmm. but nobody really has power over anybody else. The congregations, it's a congregational church. So the congregations are, are very unique and self-governing and um, there are very conservative, um, like as a denomination, we are open and affirming. We mm -hmm. say that anybody can serve in any area of leadership based on spiritual gifting and nothing else. Mm. Um, but there are still congregations who I was just studying about this last week that, um, have collectively said, we don't affirm, you know, gay leadership right. and and that's it's not okay but it's also a place where we are still i i meet with these people for clergy studies monthly and that there is such unity around the table where we're having these conversations um and just able to uh able to value each other and not have to push an agenda not yeah. have to demand that somebody comply with whatever mm. we think is right. right. Um, that's what, I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Some days it feels totally futile and overwhelming. <laughs> and other days I come away from it knowing I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, that level of um, mutual respect is so elusive. Because um, I think for me, that's where, that's where I thought I was in the church that I um, started here in San Diego, I thought that's the space we inhabited mm -hmm. and it turned out to not be once, you know, rubber hit the road kind of thing. But, um, I, because I think, I think in theory I, I could get on board with, um, I mean, not, not even in, in a, in a church context, but in any context, like sitting across the table from people who are like, we're, we're part of the same organization, our particular congregation or whatever, like our division of this company <laughs> um, right. is not affirming in terms of, you know, letting gay people serve in leadership roles or whatever. Um, gosh, this is really hard. It's it's so hard to like put myself into because, because by nature, I feel like that stance is harmful. Like, like I, I just think there's no way around like actually doing damage to people um, if you're telling them that some this <laughs> this trait of you, uh, this part of you, this character, it it it's it's a thing that's prohibiting you from X, like right, full participation. Um, so I don't think that there's a way you can actually do it that is um, that avoids doing damage to a, another human being. I, so, yeah, I so in that sense, like, I, I don't know that I could sit down at a table and, and like have that kind of a relationship with colleagues I, on the, on the other side of that, you know, the flip side of that, like, I mean, yes, like, of course, I, mutual, just mutual respect can go so far. It can, it can do so much to, if you genuinely, aren't trying to force your way on someone else and you hold space for them and you uh, maintain your, maintain your integrity, um, you know, your boundaries, the things exactly. that, you, that you have to do for yourself. 
um, without infringing on that other person. Like, I think so much can be done in that space, relationally, moving organizations forward, all of that. Like, And that's the thing is not letting go of your own integrity and still saying, like, to me, I, in these conversations, I'm saying if, if, if you're telling people, oh, what's the phrase? Love the... Sin, sin, hate the yeah, sin. love the sin. Yeah, love the yeah. Love the sin, hate the sinner. Yeah, love the sin, hate the sinner. I said that wrong. <laughs> Matthew Blake, love the sin, <laughs> hate the sinner. It's been a rough road. <laughs> that phrase. Um, it's exactly what you said. It's like you're taking the most <clears throat> integral part of, of, or one of the most integral parts of what defines who we are mm-hmm. and saying, Oh, well, you know, I don't like that aspect of you, but I love you. It's like, no, you don't love me because you, Mm, you don't love me. You don't love who I actually am. Your story is bad. Yeah. But you can hang (laughs) out with us anyway. But you're okay. God loves you. God loves you. (laughs) So being able to say that is, is, and in that knowing that, being able to say, you know what, if you're going to change, it's going to be because mm-hmm. God changes you, not because yeah. I change you. Right. Well, and and I would actually adopt, I would I would take some of that language and, and in my worldview and what I'm obsessed with right now is totally the inner voice and the intuition and the, the spirit, like whatever you want to call it. Like I would relate that to God maybe in your right. language. Like for me, right. it's that. Um, and I would say in that sense, like I am here. I'm totally here right. to be... God to you in that way to show you the way like to shine some light on on your experience because you haven't had me in your life you haven't had a gay person in your life so right. I'm here to be that I'm here to do that for you um and so speaking exclusively and solely for myself like I could absolutely 100% do that because again like I know who I am I'm gonna maintain my integrity I'm gonna like hold true to my boundaries I just I can't I <sighs> I can't ever, I, I, I would never, ever want to suggest to any other person that they stay in something that where they're not fully affirmed, because that's a decision exclusively for that person. Like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't make that, I can't even push you yeah, or compel no, you in any I way. Agree. Like, you need to be in a place where you are fully loved, fully affirmed, celebrated, 100%. Seen. Seen. Like, that's what you need. And that's, I will always, like, give that message to that's anybody. why I think church clarity, I try and, like, promote them every three weeks or so. Are you familiar mm, no. with it? So church clarity, church clarity is a website that their whole thing is to show that, you know, because we have this epidemic of churches that are welcoming. And I'm right. going to call them, I mean, like, yeah. churches like Journey that I really thought was, mm. they yeah. were on the way. I was... I mean, so many friends in the community are like, yeah, they're going to be the first, you know, mega church to come out and and be fully affirming and right. did this and have a friend that um, started going there, a gay friend who started going there. I think we have and the same they started actually, this yeah. bullshit like sermon yeah. series. I, and I'll listen to them when I'm mm. running. I'll listen to their podcast or their media, their sermons and like listen to this sermon series and just went. Oh my God, what is this? So anyway, it takes churches like that who say we're so welcoming and says, no, we are evaluating you. So it's a website of churches and Mm. you can submit churches that Mm. you want to out as being not affirming. And the clarity is that they are either, you know, um, 
verified affirming or non-verified affirming right. or non-verified, um, you know, non-affirming. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So it's amazing. And yeah, now they're starting useful. to do it with women and leaders with egalitarianism also. Mm. Good. Cool. So huh. anyway, yeah, okay. it's really yeah. cool. Because that's another one where you can have, a, oh, sure. We yeah. support oh, women in yeah. leadership. As long you as can, there's a man on the stage at the yeah. same time. Yeah, or we have women in leading the children's you can ministry. You be the director and, of women's studies. <laughs> yes, all ministry. the men are. Yeah. Any guy who's been in recovery over a year is pastor so-and-so. But <laughs> <laughs> you as a woman, <laughs> like you said, you can be yeah, the director. The director of children's ministries. Yeah, I know. Mm. It's been oh. a <laughs> no. Wow. Um, so then being, I, I'm only, we can totally cut this out later if, if I go mm-hmm. somewhere where you don't want to go. Um, but in our very brief, like interchange before, when we were talking about having this conversation, the way you talked about your bisexuality was interesting to me because you, you, I felt like you were hedging your bets a little bit, like, like, um, talking about it in terms of. Well, I think you even acknowledge like it's it's hard to be bisexual in a same in an, in an opposite sex relationship because yeah. because it's like you're so defined by your relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. That's how people perceive us. That's how we walk around in the world. And so it's like I don't know what has been your experience in kind of like taking on that identity. It's really difficult because it feels like I'm saying if I mention my orientation, it feels like, especially in the context of being in a gay church, yeah, um, which it's not all gay. I mean, there's probably it's probably like 70, 30, I'm guessing. Um, and we're not intentionally. We're just we're just open and affirming. But 70, 30, like 70, 70, clear. yeah, 70. Oh, really? Clear, yeah. I, I wonder would, what I, I would. I, well, maybe it was that when I was there. But yeah. So in the context of the church community that I'm in right now to talk about it, and I've kind of pushed myself to do it because I think there's such marginalization of bisexuals anyway, mm-hmm. but it feels like I'm going, oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. It okay. really is so uncomfortable. And I have like I did a sermon last year and had a picture of um, like my first crushes were Mr. Rogers and Cher. <laughs> I knew. It's a good combo. <laughs> I knew. Love it. When I was it's like after like school special I magic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so awful. Um, anyway. Sorry, my brain does really unfortunate things sometimes that I'm just like, oh, there are musical numbers happening and I just have to turn it off. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a story I hear so often, so frequently, especially from folks who are like, yeah, who are defi- defined by their relationship in terms of they're with an opposite sex partner. So I, I, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say that it's mm-hmm. it's it feels weird sometimes to yeah. claim that I want a world. I, I just want a world where we even literally was it today? Maybe yesterday saw I go down these stupid Twitter rabbit hole threads that I should just I have no business being in. Stay the hell off of Twitter. Oh my god, it's the worst. I don't do Twitter and I was just thinking I it's should the do be- it. No, it's the I best Facebook, it's the best and like the worst. Pin. Yeah. Oh I hate Facebook even more than I hate Twitter for sure. Um, like Instagram. It's so nice over there. Pretty pictures. Yeah. Um it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh this particular like conversation was between a uh someone who identified as a gay woman and then a bi woman and the bi 
sexual woman used the word gay as well to refer to herself and the gay woman was not having it. Like she just went after her and was like, if you like men, you're not gay. Like, and I just, it, the, oh, this mindset stop. is so, it's so, I, I, it, it freaks me out that this is like, that there's like a good chunk of people in the queer community who are like not cool with themselves, like How with, with ourselves. How many do you think are really like, that? because that is something I think a lot of my, the stuff that I've, the things that I think are imposed on me are kind of self-imposed. I don't yeah. feel like I get a lot of I That's have good. amazing friends who are who are affirming of of who I am. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there are people. Yeah, who are I mean, I guess I don't like know. Either. I don't. I don't have a sense of how widespread it is. It just it freaks me out to think that there are any, the, that, that yeah, anybody's, that anybody's out there doing saying that, like. Right? Telling like, you no, how to I'm define sorry. Yourself. Yeah, you can't use that word. Like, right. fuck you. Yeah. Like, we call it gay pride. Like, you can't just. It's <laughs> right. an. It's a fucking umbrella term. And even if it weren't, if like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, the only. The, That's a great point. I'm gonna be using that. That's yeah, the only point. the only way I would ever take issue with somebody using the word gay is if they, like, literally in the same sentence are like, I'm gay, but I will. I hate sex with the same sex and I, and I and I will only have sex with the opposite like I'm like okay well you're just now you are appropriating and now that's not that's yeah. not cool dude like shut yes. the fuck up and also go like, confusing like yeah. why yeah. would yeah, you why? Like that? exactly and that's the point <laughs> stop it that doesn't happen like right. <laughs> I mean it might on a very fringe level uh, it might happen but it's gonna be mad but there are people out there who are like having these arguments about identity that it's it's just not like please can't why why haven't we learned to be inclusive yet yeah. like mm-hmm. we of all people should have figured this out. Like we need the safe spaces. We need the homes. We need each other. We belong to each other. And there are detrimental aspects to this. The When I really started deciding, okay, I have to be vocal about this is last year. There was us an LGBTQ IA scholarship that um, our denomination has a, a GLAD division and they were offering a scholarship and I was like, I'm going to apply for it. And then it's like, no, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. Why would I do that? Put myself out there. And then two days later, read an article on um, depression and suicide mm-hmm. rates of the bisexual community. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, I have to. And mm-hmm. I ended up winning the scholarship. Yay. It was amazing. And had to give this, like, you know, accept it in front of a, you know, a regional meeting with hundreds of people. So that was really strange. I mean, here I am in seminary, perceived as a heterosexual married woman, to go up there and say, yay, thank you for the LGBTQIA scholarship. Um, but it really did give me some awareness of, of the importance of, of mm. being out there and, and us being able to blur margins and yeah. stop defining ourselves um, or yeah. allowing ourselves to be defined the way that other people want to. That's the big thing, right? Like, I think the whole focus that we've had for so long on um, gay's not a choice. Gay's not a choice. You know, like, that was the... We really had to, like, cling to that because that was the attack that was lobbed at the queer community is, like, it's a choice you're making. (laughs) And so we had to, like, go through that journey of identifying why and how this is not, like... Like, here's why... you, you can't possibly believe that this is true. Like I, you know, there's so many reasons why if I could choose, I would. And, and I was one of those people, like I went through five years of, of reparative therapy to try and change it. So, um, but now we are, 
in a space where at least, you know, conversationally, like we need to be talking about the fact that there's probably a lot more people on the spectrum in the middle of the spectrum than we ever imagined. I'm um, having those conversations. Yes. Where people yeah. that I, that I define as gay are like, yeah, I'm kind of like here. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, we've, we've been trained to like, you know, talk about it in terms of it's not a choice. It's not, a cho- it, but it, that, that has also put people in boxes that maybe they don't belong in. And so it's, it's just, I don't know, we're in a weird space right now where the conversation is, is definitely changing and shifting. And there's this like protective part of me, at least that's like, I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to, to question, you know, uh, our intentions as a community or anything like that. At the same time, like, I want us to be free to be who we are. Like, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's something that I, I'm, I, I'm, pr- I'm like 99% sure I'm a, is it six Kin- Kinsey scales one to six? Like, I, I don't think there's anything <laughs> pretty, in me pretty that, gay. yeah, I'm pretty darn gay. <laughs> um, but I, but I choose, I choose as, as often as I can remember, I choose the word queer because, um, to me, I want to be part of a community of people who are, um, mm. affirming of yes. whatever, whatever ex- gender expression, identity, sexual orientation, sexual preference like however you need to like talk about yourself like to yeah. figure yourself out and what what you like in the world like like let's just make that the let's make that the space like that's the overarching like right. and i think that's a generational thing because i've thought about that it's like this is the word i need to be using and just don't and at the same like the generational thing also i think made it more that my promiscuity mm, was yeah. that was okay to express with other women. But so let me backtrack and say my sister has an only child that's a son and she has, so she had him when she was 37 and she has always been that, that she knew that she would tell her child that whoever you marry, whether you end up with a boy or a girl, that's okay. And I started telling her, I realized like a year or two back, you have to stop telling him that like, you know, because she asked him, so do you think you're going to like boys or do you think you're going to like girls? Mm-hmm. It's like you can't. Like, be, yeah. Right. And and like she's like she wants to know because she's excited to yeah. know like who's he going to like and who's he going to end up married to. And right. and at the same time, it's it's that that he he's we should be talking to our kids about the person they're going to end up with right. and that it should not be defined. Yeah. That you're going to pick the person that's your, hopefully your life partner right. and, or at least for the time being, and that you're uh-huh. going to be in good, loving, healthy relationship. And it's not going to be based on your orientation of being straight or not straight. Right. It's going to be based on finding somebody that you love. Mm. So for me, it wasn't like that. It was that there was never even though I knew early on that, and probably like, I'm like a four or a five um, on the non-hetero side, Mm -hmm. but it was never like, because I liked men too, or boys early on, there was never any, any question that I, that my permanent relationships, that my long-term relationships would be with men. And Mm -hmm. that was really like, I feel like that's, 
and don't get me wrong. I mean, my yeah. husband's amazing and I'm grateful and everything, but I think that, that also yeah. is damaging. Yeah. I agree. Cause what, yeah. What if you meet the person who, who, something magical could happen with you know yes. like what what and even if you think you're like full even if most of the time you're attracted to the opposite gender but then there's like the one person oh yeah and but we have to talk about it in terms of like are you straight or not are you like yeah. right <sighs> I, i'm totally like ruby rose on the spectrum yeah, for sure. Like yeah. that's my that's my place right there. Oh. <laughs> okay, wait. I don't know what that is. One exception. Can you let me... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, the, I'm I'm very straight. I'm Ruby Rose almost is exclusively straight. But <laughs> Ruby Rose is undeniably magnetic, <laughs> yeah, and like I go there. Orange is the new black. Um, she's on that. Yeah, yeah, like there's just. But I think that that's true. And you know, I've been around enough in life now that I always just say, well, as far as I know, you know, right. like that's kind of right. Yeah. For because basically the minute you're everything. Going, I, oh no, as not soon me. As I'm like that'll never happen and here we are never mm-hmm. ever ever say the phrase i will never because that's how you wind up doing the shit you never wanted right? to do yeah but i think that like when you have an identity that has been invalidated right you mm-hmm. have to then rally mm. behind it and you have to claim it loudly i mean it's the yes. same thing with feminism you know like nobody wants to be like hashtag whatever women's empowerment and doing all this shit like we're, we're we've got other things to do you know like, nobody, <laughs> wants, life to live. nobody <laughs> wants to be like i am woman hear me roar 24 hours a day but like but when you have something that isn't equal you have to make the you have to make the thing that has yeah. been invalidated louder until yeah. you don't have to that anymore. That is so true. And like, to balance the scales. Hopefully, I hope, I hope, I hope that like Fable becomes an adult into a world where the work that you have done in claiming that identity and having to claim it so loudly and sometimes even maybe claiming it in ways that feel too specific and yeah. too... Too uh, restrictive. Too restrictive for who you are. But like hopefully the gift of that is that we get to a point yeah. where like it just becomes a non-issue then where it just then becomes like yes so happy we've made it we've made it here so <laughs> i really want to see that happen i would love to see that happen. i'm trying to think of examples where it has where has that happened i don't know i don't know if i can think of any place where we've been successful yeah. in that yet i feel like there are and, and they're totally escaping me right now but i feel like there are shows like tv shows right now something i was watching recently where character was just like uh, i don't remember but yeah i I even think about think back to some of my own language over the years and how i would say things like i mean i wish i were bi because then i could just choose the easy way right Mm. like i could just choose (laughs) only women (laughs) and then get all the Uh. you know all the privilege that comes with that you know whatever like not basically not have to look at myself in the mirror right like not have to engage with what's inside and now God, I, I mean, I regret that. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for saying mm. those things yeah. very publicly at times in my life yeah. because that's not what it's about. Like, we're not here to fit in. That's not that's not why we exist. Right. We exist to experience this life fully, full, abundant, beautiful life, mm-hmm. right? Like, and if yeah. that means that this person has walked into my life and I, and I, and we've got the connection, then gosh, chase that down no matter what is freaking between their legs. Like just like go after because that person. It's so rare that thing anyway. Yeah. Like shit, just 
do it. Oh my God. Who can cares? I, can I it's tell you guys enough. something? It's hard enough out there. <laughs> Don't make it harder. Right. I, I'm listening to the audiobook of Call Me By Your Name right now. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> All day long. Today, yes, I All have to. First of all, okay, okay wait yeah. a minute. All day on the internet, all I have seen going on is Matthew like losing his shit about this audio. And you have not seen the movie. I haven't. I haven't seen the movie intentionally because I wanted to read the book first. The man okay. has but then, lost his mind. But no, but get this: it was actually Cameron Esposito on who hosts Query Podcast. Mm-hmm. Who was she? She's amazing. I freaking love this person. Um, she was listening to the audiobook and and had some joke about how like somebody interrupted her during a really hot and steamy scene and like she she was talking to this person she felt all breathless and she was you know um, and I was like well, I want to listen to the audiobook I'm not yes, going to read it yes immediately yeah and when she and Army Hammer who plays you know yeah, the, who the, is the love interest beautiful such a beautiful man he reads the audiobook so I was like okay well done like check I'm going to listen to it so I was totally doing that today why was I going oh 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 so. I don't know. I just, I had a conversation with my, my bandmate and roommate, Haley, um, right before coming here. And I was just like, I feel, um, I'm just bummed. Like, I, I mean, I'm always bummed about the, the restrictive culture I grew up in, but I'm like today I'm bummed about, about it for this specific reason, mm-hmm. because this book does such a beautiful, fabulous, <laughs> sexy job of capturing that like young, yeah. super horny, I haven't read the book, but I've seen the like, movie. It's just so like lush. Like yeah. the movie is just yeah. yeah. It, it and it's lush. It, yeah, lush and lust too. Like yeah. it is like yeah. it, like it's just about yeah. the the what's going on yeah. in your body uh-huh. during that period. And I can remember what was going on in my body and how ashamed. How hard you were trying to shut it down. How hard. Oh, I tra- this makes me cry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm turn. thinking about it now, and I'm like, what a. Like, I missed it. I missed it. I didn't get to have it. And that absolutely fucking sucks. Because, I'm, and, and you know, like, I'm not, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm in therapy. <laughs> but, uh, but still. I'm Everyone a, should be. <laughs> but I'm allowed to be a little bit pissed about this, right? That, like, I'm not, you know, 17 anymore. And I'll never yeah. know what it was like yeah. to be 17 and, like, figuring out your body. But to, like be able to engage with another human being on those like very visceral, just have a free experience. Yeah. Like what, like what is it like to to be with another person? That's so profound and so disturbing. (laughs) It really is. I mean, that's devastating to think of that because I really was raised with this kind of freedom that Mm. it was, you're going to have sex with whoever you fall in love with. And I took it to, you're going to have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. Mm. And there was no guilt about it. It was a really, it was an amazing thing. It's one of those things I have no, it's I have so no good. guilt now. I don't have yeah. regrets and so good. Well, and like the freedom, also that free, like I'm gonna take this to a weird nerdy place, but the freedom before, mm. like when your brain still has that sort of uninhibited, not fully developed, lacking some of the risk management and some mm-hmm. of the hyper awareness yeah. things that teenagers right. are gifted totally. with, right? Like to have the freedom to do that 
when your brain is still in that space, like I think there's something really magical because then like you're an adult and then you get anxiety, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, congratulations. You get to now explore all of this with anxiety. Yeah. And teenagers just have this magical ability. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Me. Like I said, I have an 18 year old and my whole instruction and he can be super sanctimonious and he's like, I'm never going to do such and such. It's like, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> just wait until you're 25 when it's not going to, you know. Right, yeah. like, right. Yeah, whatever it is. If you're going to do it, though, do it now because yeah, loud, the consequences just He's get steeper. He's not going to be listening to this anyway, so. Yeah, <laughs> no. Well, oh, and there's yeah. something to be said, though, for, you know, being able to... So, oh, man, I've, I've said I want to do an episode on yoga. Um, but one of the things that, that I've experienced in my very recent yoga practice um, that I've gotten into over the past couple of months, I, I just had a, a, I had a thought come to me one day during Shavasana at the end of the, the hour. And the thought was this body that I'm in right now that I'm inhabiting, that I'm very aware of in this moment, right? Because we've just done all of this movement and stretches. And mm. We're just so aware of this piece that, that I'm walking around in. It's the same body I had back then. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I know it's not, I know cells like you you have a whole new body every, every seven, seven years. years. But, yeah. <laughs> I know scientifically <laughs> that it's not, but, but, huh. but go with me because it's the same, like this, the heart that's beating is the same heart that was beating for that, that kid mm-hmm. who was, you know, in his room, completely ashamed mm-hmm. that he was watching this. What was it? Uh, Tom Hanks bachelor party, that movie. Yeah. The only thing so, I remember from that movie so is weird that the that bad, I don't know about. no, the bad guy, the, the jerk jock dude, the whatever um, the the antagonist in that film like ends up getting like dropped naked out of a building and like mm. like unwrapped he's in a sh- wrapped in a sheet or something and so like there was like a scene I was a late night TV see all movie. I remember is Tawny Katane which is <laughs> <laughs> there you have it yeah right I'm gonna have to watch whatever movie this is I don't know what we're talking yeah. about. I just remember seeing like a butt cheek like like not even a butt like the side of a butt and like being completely turned on but mm. also just like horrified at myself right. Um, same body, right? Same, same physical thing that I'm, that I'm carrying. And I don't know, like it just in the moment there during yoga, I was like, there's a way for me to like reach back to that kid, like right now, because it's the same, it's Mm -hmm. the same heart. It's the same blood that's, that's, that's pumping. And I can like connect to that kid right now and just love that kid and say like, you're okay. Like (laughs) it's okay that you're experiencing all of these wild feelings and emotions and, um, just let go of all of that shame, like yeah, for that kid, know. for that kid to be able to do it. And then, like a week later, <laughs> the next time in yoga, I had the same like moment of 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 trying to connect back to my past through the body that I have right now. Like being kind, being by being kind to my body right now, I'm being kind to that kid. Like that's how mm. I was seeing it. And then I realized, like, holy fuck! Like sixty year old Matthew mm. is reaching out to me right mm. now in this wow. moment. Mm. You know, from like 25 years in the future, he's reaching out to me and he's like, Matthew, be kind to yourself right now. Mm. Like, love, love yourself, love your body. Like, I just, there, I don't know. There, I just had this like completely crazy, it felt out of body experience. You've transcended time. <laughs> something, something <laughs> so was going good. on, you guys. Yoga is magic. That's I all I know. It. I hated it for yeah. years, but something is happening to me in it now. Um, I don't even know how we got here. I really love that, though. I love the idea of all of these versions of you existing simultaneously. Yeah. And, like, being at different points on the journey, 
but having kind of this communion in the middle of it, mm-hmm. like I love, I, I love that. Yeah. Because that is like, that's it's unity, you know, yeah. it's just a unification of all of those parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in that very small way, I can participate in 17 year old Matthew's like yeah. horny, whatever. And say right, like, yeah. it's okay. It's right. okay that you're like looking at this one butt cheek on the, <laughs> on the television and like feeling super lustful about it. You're like, going to be okay, kid. Yeah. Call me by your name. And that's an important <laughs> reminder for people to know. I mean, there's such condemnation for, you know, yeah. I think most people always feel like they're falling short somewhere. Yeah. To be able to remember that. Yeah, you should have grace for yourself Mm, mm -hmm. as much as you should have for others. Um, On a not really related note, (laughs) super tangenty, I did get a text message this week that just said, Zach Efron is such an adult now. (laughs) (laughs) Because we talked about that last week. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. He sure is. Yeah, something happened between High School Musical and Greatest Showman. Let's just put it that way. Is this for looks or for... (laughs) Yeah, he's just just no longer a child. He's grown up. Yeah. He's a grown up man. So my daughter called him, I guess there's some, this movie that you talked about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Greatest Showman. Yeah, Yeah, she called him like the, um, what's the name of the girl who's in it? Zendaya? Yeah, she called him Zendaya's pedophile or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's so funny. (laughs) She's that old now. Yeah, she's like, he shouldn't be in that movie with her. I don't know anything about it. Well, I guess if anything, it it confirms our theory that he is indeed an adult now. He's such an adult that the teenagers are like, oh, that's that's kind of gross. Zach Efron's too old. How old are we then becomes the question. So are you guys like, is he your age? And is that no, the high school he's musical younger thing? Than us. That, oh, I don't even know how, how it's like what? I have no 29? idea, but I do know that I looked how down is... I looked down on high school musical and I scoffed at it. So. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I would hope people was, did. Do you which not is unfortunate now? because Oh, I don't know. I've never we seen it. We are that. all okay. in this together. I don't know. It was the <gasps> yeah. It's right? Yes. Zach Efron, look back at your high school musical self <laughs> and be kind to him. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen High School Musical, but I know the songs oh, from High School Musical. I don't even know what you're saying. This is the unfortunate part oh, about being me. That's funny. Yeah, there it is. Sorry, everyone. <sighs> Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Well, this feels like a natural conclusion yeah. for our conversation. Is there anything that, that we didn't get to touch on that you would like to... Not that I can think of now. <laughs> Probably driving home, I'll be like, oh, yeah. should have talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think the beautiful thing is we're we're all here in San Diego, so we can totally do this again. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you. It's ended up being it. far less stressful than I was thinking in the last couple of days. It's like, yeah. Oh, uh, I wish I could convey to people, um, and I try to now when I invite them on the show because I'm like, yeah, I freaked out like heavily oh, yeah. those first eight episodes, but now that I'm in a rhythm of it, I'm like. I'm more excited than anything because it's like it's a chance to like connect with another human being and it's going to be so good. And the couple that I've heard, it's just people being natural Mm. and being Mm -hmm. themselves. And it's it really is. I need to again, like when I'm running, when I'm exercising, I need to be listening because yeah, it reminds us to value each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally, it does. It's why it's why 
all social media is so unsatisfactory to me now. I used to love social media actually, mm. and now it's like no. Nope. I hate it. It feels like Anxious such a pit. And I it is. hate it. Yeah. It just feels like a waste of because time. Because why do that when you can do this? Right. Yeah. What's funny is I've been really. I don't. I don't know if it's related to us doing this, but I've been really into voices lately. Like I'm not a talk on the mm. phone person usually, but I just like the last six months. I just want to hear people's voices because yeah. I feel like so many of my relationships are reduced to like text messaging <laughs> and like email and blah, blah, blah. I'm like I just want to hear I just need more I need more input you know like I need more yeah. I need more ways of like discerning meaning yeah. and I more need, signals yeah, yeah something more than just the flat text and so I've been like like the, I've been voice texting people <gasps> a lot more I just got a voice text from Heather Lynn really I've been doing like voice memos instead of text messages yeah. a lot and just sending people recordings and you know it freaked so me nice. out at first it freaked yeah. me out at first but then I was like this is so great because it was yeah I was able to get the context understand what she was trying to say to me yeah. you don't uh, have to worry about emojis nope. no yeah. it's so much easier <laughs> and you can do just like Facebook Messenger has the voice thing and text messaging has the voice thing now and so this is my new thing I've been trying to convert everyone so okay. heathens heathens everywhere huddle up heathens huddle up I need you to join me on my mission <laughs> voice texting but not voice to text voice to voice yeah. send it Connect. okay I'm gonna try it because I almost did it back to Heather Lynn and then I freaked out at the last minute and I was like no I'm just gonna the only do thing the words. that sucks is like if they're in a work meeting <laughs> then they can't wait yeah, yeah, until yeah. They, are, they come out but be that as way. I love yeah I love it let's talk to each other more Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com slash heathen podcast well thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content which you know is going to be freaking awesome wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality spiritual godlessness or anywhere in between you're not alone we're glad you're here here's to the heathens heathens